Well, Chad started his message last week with a disclaimer by saying he is not a sex therapist. And if that doesn't make any sense to you, you need to go back and watch it because it was a doozy of a sermon. He did an amazing job. That will make a whole lot more sense after you see it. I'm going to start with a disclaimer this week as well. I am not a health professional, okay? Today we're talking about life hacks and particularly in the area of health. And I know that it probably looks like Chad asked me to speak this message because I'm the epitome of, of physical health, right? Uh, if there was a term, you know, dad bod, if it ever fit anyone more appropriately, I think it's, it's me right now in my life. But it's actually a good thing because I've been on quite a journey health-wise. And so Chad knew that. That's why he asked me to speak this message the last two, three weeks as I've been preparing for this, I have been so nervous. Every single meal that I ate, every snack that I put in my mouth, and just going, I'm the biggest hypocrite. I'm speaking about health, and look what I'm eating, okay? Uh, But here's a little bit of my journey. Over the last 10 years or so, I've lost about 70 pounds, and I thought I'd be really vulnerable and show you some old embarrassing photos of me. And so that's, that's, that was me. That's, yeah, the cheeks are really, really big and round. And that's me in the white polo shirt up there, my brother's med school graduation, my parents. And Cassidy hasn't changed at all. She looks amazing, just like she did 10 years ago. So, uh, so that's me. And really, it was a culmination of a lot of things. I um, was still eating like I was in high school and college. We were married at 22 and 21, so we had no idea how to cook. I was in ministry, so we were eating out a lot and lots of pizza and fast food and donuts with teenagers, and things just got a little out of control. And I look at Cassie, when I look at pictures like that now, I'm like, why didn't you tell me that I looked so bad? Why didn't you tell me I got so big? And she was like, I didn't see it. Like, I loved you. And, you know, when you're, when you're with someone every day, you don't really see the, the change and the difference. So um, all of that to say, I'm going to put you at ease. This is not a sermon on getting skinny, okay? This is not a sermon about how to look good in a swimsuit this summer. This is not a weight loss message. This is not pushing any type of Uh, supplements or any type of plan or anything like that, okay? Uh, It's not a pyramid scheme, I promise. Here's the deal, though. What we're talking about today is this word health and the entirety of that word. We want to look at what does God say about our health in, in the broadest sense? Why do we care about this? Why does God care about our health, and what does that mean to be healthy, okay? So this is not a message to shame anyone or guilt trip anyone or make anyone feel awkward or embarrassed. Sound good? We start, start with that on, on the right foot. Um, here's the deal, though. I think that we do have a problem with image in our world, what we see on TV and what we see in magazines, it's, it's such a high bar to live up to that I, I want to pause and I, I just want to correct that a little bit and, and say, hey, let's be real about what does it mean to be 
healthy, because I think what we see isn't always the case, and it's not, it's not real life, and that can't be our expectations. Um, some of you may know the actor Kumail uh, Nanjiani, all right? He's a comedian, uh, actor, he's in The Big Sick, uh, HBO, Silicon Valley. He is actually going to be in an upcoming Marvel movie, the new Eternals Marvel movie. He got a role in that, and in conjunction with that, they said, all right, you, you look great, you look normal, and we're going to make you not look normal, and started him on a year's worth of extreme workouts to where, we'll, we'll show you a picture real quick here, um, and now he looks like this. And then this is what he had to say about it. And here's the most important thing is he said, I would not have been able to do this if it hadn't been for a full year of trainers and nutritionalists paid for by the biggest studio in the world. Every single meal being catered and delivered to him, multiple trainers working out multiple times a day, and also gives a shout out to his wife for putting up with him as he complained and talked only about dieting and working out for the last year. That's the type of devotion that it takes to look ripped like someone in a movie. Dad bod, not real. Pat, Chad's not paying me to do that all day long, okay? Um, and so let's be honest about that. Women, let's, let's be honest for a second as well. What you see in a magazine, that person is, has a full-time job to look like that. And that's before they're airbrushed and they're photoshopped to make them look even more unrealistic, okay? So what's our definition of beauty? What's our definition of health? I, I want us to slow that down a little bit and say, okay, let's not chase after something. Let's not chase after something that may be even more unhealthy. Let's talk about what does health mean in the entirety of the world. Again, I'm not a health professional. I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a nutritionalist. I'm not a personal trainer. Uh, my initials are DR, so there's that. But I'm just a pastor, okay? So then we got it now. My last name's Roach, <laughs> so yeah. Um, I, didn't, I didn't say that the last two, so thanks for giving me the, the good church chuckle. I appreciate that. All right, so I'm just a pastor. But here's what I do know. I do know how easy it is to put weight on, okay? I do know how hard it is and how long it takes to take the weight off. I do know how bad I felt when the weight was on. Uh, pain in my knees, stomach pain, chronic headaches. But the weird thing is I also know I didn't, realize how bad I felt until the weight came off. I was like, oh, this is what you should feel like. I, I, I may just be a pastor, but I also know the shame that comes with my unhealth. I know the insecurity that comes with being unhappy with your physical body and the constant adjustment and trying to pose a certain way to take a, a good picture and I also know this. I also know that Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. And 
the entirety of that, and that Jesus came to redeem not just our spiritual life, but our entire world. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to spend some time in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, all right? So if you have your Bibles, let's turn there. We're going to look at what Paul, who wrote a lot of these letters in the New Testament, what Paul said to this church in Corinth. Uh, Paul spent a couple times there, a couple trips there. Most people think that he wrote more than just these two letters in our New Testament. Probably wrote four or five letters based on some other correspondence that we can and see and have some insight to. Uh, this city of Corinth is not necessarily the biggest city or most popular city. Uh, it is a trading city. It's in modern-day Greece, and so kind of port city. It's got a lot of trade. It's got a lot going on with that. But most notably, it was known for this big temple to the goddess of Aphrodite. Put on your school hat. Think Venus, okay? This is the goddess of love. This is the goddess of beauty. This is the goddess of pleasure. This is the goddess of procreation. So you can kind of see how worship to this god, all right, it's, it's, got some, it's got some connotation to it. Uh, this would be like the equivalent of when you think Vegas or when you think New Orleans or something, you kind of have an idea in your mind of, of what's going on there. So much so that in ancient literature, this became a noun the, the noun, a Corinthian girl, meant a, a prostitute. Or this verb, they turned it into a verb, and they would, in writings, it would say to Corinthianize meant sexual immorality, okay? And so this is kind of what this church is known for. And so Paul's writing to this church in this city that the city's a little sideways. And he's calling this church, hey, I want you to be different, I want you to not look like everyone around you. You should be set apart. You should be different than what we see in this culture. And so Paul's really trying to combat, combat some bad theology here. And it's kind of cool the way that he does this, and he takes their phrase and their mentality, and then he'll offer that up, and then he'll rebuke it. He offers that up, and then he rebukes it to help them understand, hey, it, you should be living differently here. Let's see what this looks like. And things really center around um, freedom. And so that's the word I want to focus on, freedom. Uh, we'll go ahead and read the passage, and then we'll, we'll dive into this. Here's the passage in verse 12. It says, I have the right to do anything. Your translation might say, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial, okay? Everything is permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. But the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. So this is kind of the first part of this section that we're going we're gonna to deal with. Let's see what Paul says here, how he offers this up. And we have this, everything is permissible for me. I have the right to do anything. And he says, okay, sure, I'll give you that. And you might even, if you look at your Bible, it might be in quotations, right? 
Like everything is permissible for me. That's the Corinthians phrase. That's them trying to reason and rationalize what they're doing and how they're living their lives. And so he gives them that. And, and this is them saying, you know, Paul, you, you teach freedom in Christ, right? Paul, you said we don't have to do the temple worship anymore because Jesus came and he's the ultimate sacrifice. Paul, you said that we don't have to follow the Old Testament Levitical laws, right? All that's done. Freedom in Christ, right? This whole new thing. Everything's permissible now. Do you, have you ever heard someone say, hey, it's a free country, right? We kind of do that today, don't we? Like, hey, I do what I want. Have you ever had a teenager look at you and say, well, I'm, I'm 18, I'm an adult now. And you're like, oh, <laughs> hmm, that's adorable. <laughs> you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and so you can see how they get into this mindset. Everything's permissible for me. And then Paul throws this out, and I love this. And he says, yeah, but not everything is beneficial, okay? Oh, it's so good. Use that with your kids. Love that. Yeah, you can do that. That's not good for you, okay? Everything's permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Um, anyone, anyone love french fries? We be honest here, trust tree, okay? I know we're talking about health, but man, french fries are good, okay? Good. I mean, God's gift to heaven. Manna, french fries, I don't know what it was, for the, but good. I think he gave us. That's not true, so it wasn't really french fries. Um, but amazing, right? Just delicious and warm and crispy and crunchy and salty. And all right, we're going to have a moment about French fries. Uh, what would happen if we ate French fries for every meal? Mm. Okay, probably, probably not good, right? Uh, there was a British teen last year who made headlines because he did just that and would only eat French fries went to the doctor complaining of chronic tiredness, and believe it or not, they said, okay, you are deficient in vitamins, vitamin B12 and vitamins, all kinds of things that I've never even heard of, um, but just had all of this stuff, copper, uh, vitamin D, and so they give them some injections, and they say, hey, you, you need to eat a more balanced diet, okay? Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. This week, um, you know, preparation for this message, thinking about stuff, I woke up in the morning, I picked up my phone, and I looked at it, and it was at that moment that I realized that this was the last thing that I touched before I went to bed, and it was the first thing that I picked up in the morning to scroll and see what I missed overnight, text messages from my, my guys, um, you know, news headlines that pushed. And I had this moment of, this is the last thing I do before I go to, this is the first thing I do when I get up. And I just, I tucked it away. And I started to pray. And a sense of idolatry of like, God, I don't, I don't want to do that. And that's not to say that I'm super spiritual here. That's to me to say, like, I struggle with that. And it's so easy to just scroll a little bit more. And when that social media app gets old and tired, you close that one, you go to a new one, and you, and you spend time scrolling. You can do that, but is it beneficial? Is that the best way to spend your time? Now, I've, I've wrestled with that this week. 
How should I spend my time? What's beneficial for me? So this kid in Britain, they sent him away with this mandate to eat more varied food and couldn't do it. Just had an extreme aversion to any different type of texture of food. Occasionally a slice of white bread, occasionally a slice of ham. And the consequence of his life like that, he actually is blind now. Due to an extreme deficiency of vitamins, he has some peripheral vision, but he's legally blind in his eyes. So everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And in fact, there are consequences to our freedom. And if you think last week we talked about, uh, we talked about marriage and we talked about sex and we talked about how freedom is found inside of a faithful, committed marriage. That's where we are truly free. And so there are consequences to how we live. And right now with, with my kids, oh man, we are working on that so much. We talk about listen and obey. I don't know how many times I say the phrase, listen and obey. And why is that? Because when I say you need to put on shoes and you need to put on your jacket, it's 25 degrees outside and we're leaving the house right now. If you don't do that, I'm going to be that dad that grabs you by the hand and walks you outside without shoes on, without your jacket, throwing the fit for all the neighbors to see, hi, that's us, okay, we're the bad parents. Because I need them to learn to make a good decision that I have their best interest in mind and that it takes some work to listen and to obey. Because you fast forward and when they're older, and let's say they have a job, dear God, please let them have a job. When it's time for them to get off the couch and put on shoes and go to work, there's consequences if they don't do that, right? There are consequences if they can't make that good decision right there. I try to teach my kids right now to respect authority because when you're an adult and you don't respect authority, there's someone with a badge on their chest that eventually you're going to have to respect. Am I right? I tell my kids all the time, you act like this when you're an adult. You will go to jail, okay? And I don't want you to do that. There's freedom. Sure, sure, you can, you can do what you want. Sure, there's, you have the right to do anything. Sure, it's permissible. permissible. There's consequences to that. And so what does Paul say here? He says, everything's beneficial for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Don't be mastered by anything. Paul emphasizes self-control here. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit Okay? This is how we're to live our life with self-control. So have you ever, you ever done a diet where you have to, and I'm not advocating dieting, okay? It doesn't work. Lifestyle change is the only way it's going to work. But have you ever done anything to like jumpstart it where you, you have to read labels? Have you ever tried to fast sugar or done like the Daniel diet or some type of cleanse where you have to look at the labels and look at sugar? Sugar is in everything, it's in every single spice that we use. And uh, I mean, they just pump sugar into everything. And so we don't realize it, but it's like we're, 
probably addicted to sugar, okay? We drink coffee every morning. We give you delicious coffee out there from Dunkin' Donuts. But like, probably addicted to coffee as well. And so every once in a while, it's really good to cleanse yourself of that and to show some self-control. We have this season of Lent where the church traditionally takes something and they say, hey, we're going to fast for this season before Easter, And let's take something out, something that might be a good thing, but something that's on autopilot where we just do it. And let's take something out. Let's put something in that causes us to have more self-control, that causes us to think and trust in the Lord more in our daily life so that we're ready, we're prepared for Easter. Some of you know what addiction is like. Some of you know You've seen and walked a family member through addiction. And if we could just will someone to have self-control, we would. And that's where Paul here says, hey, yeah, there's freedom in that. It's, it's permissible, but let's live differently. Let's live in a way that shows others that we have self-control. We're not to be mastered by anything. Remember the Israelites when they got pulled out of Egypt? They were slaves in Egypt, forced to make bricks, harsh labor, terrible living conditions. An entire nation, an entire basically country within a country of slaves. Think about the negative, destructive uh, mental state that they were in. And then they get out into the wilderness. Amazing things happen to get them out, to lead them out away from Egypt and they get there and then they don't have food and water and they what do they do they complain and they say man we should go back to Egypt we should go back and be slaves again at least we got a little bit of food and and God's just going no that's it's not what this is about I have a plan I have a purpose for you I'm trying to do something special with this nation I'm trying to form this people so that you can go do something I have big plans for you and a purpose. So Paul also talks about freedom, but he talks about purpose. And that's where he uses this phrase that they would have of, you know, hey, food for the stomach, stomach for food, like man's got to eat, right? Um, God's going to destroy the the body eventually, so like I'm going to die, and we're going to get a new body, and so just forget about it. Live it up. Let the good times roll, okay? We, we, we say this. We have this phrase, what? Eat, drink, and be merry. Forget about it. Have fun, okay? And, and so Paul quotes this at them, and then he also tries to recorrect it as well. And as, they, as he talks about here, he talks about this section of like sinning, and they had all these games that they'd play of, well, if I'm sinning like outside my body, then it doesn't really matter. Almost like no one's getting hurt, so I can be involved in this temple worship with Aphrodite. It's no big deal. I'm just going to, you know, do this. And they had all these mental games to justify how it's okay and how it's fine. And, and, and he's going, no, 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 you're, you're missing the point here. It's not about how you commit a sin or where the sin's committed. He says, your bodies are meant for the Lord, okay? Your body's meant for God. Your body's not meant for sexual, sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body, okay? You have a 
purpose. You have something to do that matters. And we can try and self-sabotage that. But there is, there's a greater purpose to how we live our lives. So what I want to do is pause right there. We're going to get practical here for a second, and then we'll get serious then at the end and talk about how does change really happen? What needs to happen in order for us to, to make this stuff actually stick? All right? Um, and so I want to share some life hacks with you, and I had a list of like 12 of these, and Chad was like, you got to cut them down. Too much, okay? So I tried to think through what are some things that I've done? What are some things that friends that I know have done? What's kind of some categories of, you know, if, if you don't get this part right, then, then things aren't going to fall apart, okay? And, and remember, this is not to lose weight. This is, how do you feel better? How do you be healthy? How do you be healthy so that we can live this life of purpose that God has called us to, okay? That's why this matters, and that's why we want to try and incorporate these health hacks into our life. So the first thing I'd say is water first, okay? It's no secret we are dehydrated. And you've heard before, often when we eat, we think that we're hungry, but we're really not hungry. We're thirsty. We need water. Now, you can, you've seen the big jugs that you get at the hospital, right? The, the big things when you have a baby or you go to the hospital or something like that. You can walk around with one of those. You can walk around with the milk gallon thing of water. I'm never going to do that. It's not going to work for me. But here's what I can do is before I eat, I try to get a glass of water and boom, just chug a big glass of water. Fills your belly, gets you the water that you need, but then also tricks your mind and your stomach to go, oh, you know, I'm actually kind of full. I can think I can pump the brakes on the food, okay? So maybe that's the first thing. Figure out how to drink more water, water first. Second thing, learn the math. For me, things really started to change when I started counting calories and I started to see value in food. And I couldn't justify anymore that like, hey, it's Taco Tuesday, so I'm going to get a whole mess of tacos and just go to town on it because that's what you do on a Tuesday. And I always drink Dr. Pepper when I have Mexican food because it's spicy and it's, you know, like you can justify all of this stuff. But then once I started to go, okay, here's what food looks like. Here's the value of food. If I make this decision here, then, then that's fine. Uh, for me, it was like coffee. At that time, I would put sugar and milk in my coffee, and I got to the point where I could get rid of the sugar, but I still wanted half and half in my coffee, all right? I don't know how y'all do like 1% or skim milk. It's basically water. It's crazy, okay? But I was like, I will build into my plan the fact that I can put half and half in my coffee because it's delicious. Now I just drink it black. But like I was willing to sacrifice some calories here for somewhere else. And so when I started to see the value of food, that's when I could make better decisions. And I knew eating out, here's how to win when I was eating out. Here's how to win on this meal so that I can do something on this meal. It's a lifestyle change. It wasn't dieting. And that was a huge thing for me. So learn the math. Every dieting system is basically to get you to burn more calories than you take in. Okay? So it's, it's simple math. Income, outcome. Um, split the food. I was in Hawaii officiating a wedding for one of my buddies. We met this cool family from Australia. 
and they were talking about how great Hawaii was. Everything was so cheap here, and clothes are cheap. And I was like, this is really expensive. We're out in the middle of nowhere. You're crazy. And then he said, the food is so cheap. Okay. He said, the portion sizes are so big, I can feed my family of five with just two entrees. And this was the peak of my, my big days. And I was like, oh, I just pounded my whole entree. And then I finished Cassidy's like, I did not do that. And he's feeding five people on what I just ate. And so um, if you have someone you're with, order one thing, split it. Let's say you're not with anyone. You're eating by yourself. Order one thing, get a to-go box right then cut it in half, put it in the to-go box, close it up. It's done, out of sight, out of mind. Our portion sizes are huge in America. We can train our bodies and train our mind to, to be okay with smaller amounts. Um, any good plan is going to have some type of physical element, some type of exercise, okay? We got to get our hearts rate, heart rates elevated, and this is going to look different depending on your age and your activity level and what you can do, but find an app that can help with that. Find an app that can help get you some appropriate exercise, and again, I'm not a health professional, but things that I've really liked that have helped me is like the Nike Training Club app, uh, the Beachbody app, the Lose It app, uh, even Pinterest, if you don't want to spend any money, Pinterest has tons of workout plans, tons of things you can do at home. However, you need to set a timer of like five minutes because if not, you'll just scroll through Pinterest. The way they put those pains, right? There's always something else down there. And you're like, oh, what's that? And so careful with that. I have a Pinterest account. Guys can be on Pinterest too. Um, <laughs> and some of you were thinking it, weren't you? It's okay. Um, there's some good workout stuff on there. The last thing, sleep well. We are sleep deprived. And so if we're going to be eating well, if we're going to be exercising, we have to get good sleep. Again, we want to feel good. We want to be healthy for the task at hand, and we need to sleep. Two things that kill that, screens at night, blue light, and booze, all right? So drink a tea, get a sleepy time, herbal tea. It's gross, it's supposed to be gross. You're supposed to go to sleep, okay? I don't really enjoy it, but it's like, you know, you have your little sleepy time tea and read a book, not a screen. So yeah, you're going to get bored because you should and your eyes, eyelids are going to get heavy. So read something not on a screen because the blue light will affect your melatonin and not help you get down and go to sleep. So do all of that. Eat well, lots of water, portion control, sleep. Um, those are things that I have found that can help hack health. Sound good? Why do we do it? There's no shortage of health information that you can find online. You, you can pay people to tell you this kind of stuff. I could sit down and interview all of you. You could come up with a list about like that. So we probably know how to do it. Why do we do it? And what's going to help us change to have the right mindset to actually put this into place to where it sticks? That's where we have to come back to what, what does God say about us, okay? We honor God with our bodies. God cares not just about your spiritual life, not just about your prayer life, but we honor God with our bodies. And Paul throws out this nearly blasphemous phrase here, in verse 19, take a look at this. 
he says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Your body is a temple. Have you ever been in a chapel, maybe taking your hat off when you walked in? Maybe you walk into a, a cathedral and your voice just kind of quiets and you kind of talk at a whisper. Why? That place is special. That place is holy. It demands a response, and we show it respect. And here's what Paul says to us in verse 19. He says, you know what? That, that temple that's a really big deal that everyone knows about, that has these sacrifices that are happening all the time and all these activities, this special place, beautiful, ornate, the place where God's presence dwells. He says, you know what? No, 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 no. You're the temple. God dwells inside of you when you are his follower. God's spirit resides in you. And so we live in a way that's appropriate for that. Our body is a temple. God gave it to us. God gives himself to us so we steward our bodies well. Your body has worth because it comes from God. Your body doesn't have worth because it looks good on the beach. Your body doesn't have worth because someone tells you that you look good or that you're desirable. Your body has worth because of what God says about you. Can't lose sight of that. The second thing I want to say is your body's a temple, but we honor our God because we honor our bodies because our body's meant for the Lord. Verse 13 says, the body is meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So now we're talking about purpose. There's a sense of purpose that comes with our bodies. And this is true, whether you have any type of disability or any type of impairment, God designed you. He knit you together in his mother's womb. God has a plan and a purpose for you that is true. Think about artwork that a kid brings home to their parents. So much, so many papers. Papers galore, okay? And it's not going in a museum, okay? It's kind of trash, right? Why in the world would I hang trash on my refrigerator or at my office on my wall? It's because of who made it, right? I actually care about it because of who they made it for. And so it's silly, and you won't get it, but I get it. I, I actually delight in the little weird drawings that they do. I, I del it brings me pleasure because it's meant for me. And the same is true of our bodies. Later in two chapters from now, in, in chapter nine, Paul's going to use this illustration of an athlete. And as an athlete, what do, what do they do? They train their bodies. They work why? Because they have a goal in mind. They have a race that they're running. We live in a way to win the race. There's purpose in that. This is not just, hey, live it up and it doesn't matter. No, we have a job to do and we want to live in a way that we can do that the best possible. 
So think about if you have a big project at work coming up, maybe you have a presentation the next day or two days from now, how do you live? Like, does it change what you eat? Does it change the way you sleep? Does it change uh, the way that you prepare? You probably would live a little bit differently. I know on Saturday nights, I'd, I'd try to get sleep in a, in a different way than just on a regular night because there's something special that happens when we gather, and I need to be ready for that, and I need to be prepared for this. And Paul says, hey, just like an athlete is going to train, you need to train because this matters. You have a job to do. Your body has worth because it serves a holy purpose. And he'll finish by saying, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Amen? And finally, we honor God with our bodies. And this is how these life hacks can actually stick. If we get this right, we honor God with our bodies because our bodies are valuable. What determines value? What determines the value of a thing? Normally it's, it's this, right? It's how much you pay. How much is someone willing to pay for something? And that determines its value. Ah, you know what? Man, God paid a lot for you. God sees you and he sees you as so valuable that he would send his only son to live and to die so that you can be saved, so that you can be made new, so that you can be made clean, so that you can be in connection with God the Father. That's how much value you have. Jesus, when he talked about uh, two sparrows, how much are two sparrows worth? Pennies, right? But yet God sees them. God sees these two sparrows that are trivial. How much more does he love us than two sparrows? You are not an accident. You are known. You are created with intent. So whatever shame or frustration or um, self-loathing that you bring to the table, it needs to go away because God sees you and God has a plan and God has a purpose and God wants you to live in this way that's different than the world around you. God wants you to live with a confidence in your body and in your health that is different than the world around us. We don't try and look like the people on the magazines. It's not about looking a certain way. It's about living and being healthy and living our lives for the Lord. We are valuable because we are not our own. Look at this in 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. If this is all you hear, this is it. It says, you are not your own. Verse 20, you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. We're about to celebrate communion. And this is that opportunity where we remember Jesus' body. We have a little piece of bread, and we can remember his body that was broken for us on the cross. We have a little cup of juice, and we remember his blood that was shed for us and the sacrifice that he made on our behalf. And it's at that moment where we can say, okay, God, I am here. I am yours 
change me. We're going to have communion stations in the front and in the back, and here in a moment we'll have the band play, and feel free to move to one of these stations, grab the bread, grab the cup of juice, and then return to your seats. We'll take this together as a church family. But this is our time to remember Jesus, what he did for us, to remember that we were bought for a price. And therefore, we honor God with our bodies. The prayer team's going to be in back. If you need prayer this morning, we would, we would love to pray with you. If you have an offering to give or a connection card, you can leave that in the basket at the table as well. But let's stand and let's take communion and remember what God thinks about us.